Chapter One of A Century of Negro Migration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Century of Negro Migration by Carter Woodson. Chapter One Finding a Place of Refuge. The migration of the blacks from the southern states to those offering them better opportunities is nothing new. The objective here, therefore, will be not merely to present the causes and results of the recent movement of the Negroes to the north, but to connect this event with the periodical movements of the blacks to that section from about the year 1815 to the present day. That this movement should date from that period indicates that the policy of the commonwealths toward the negro must have then begun decidedly to differ so as to make one section of the country more congenial to the despised blacks than the other. As a matter of fact, to justify this conclusion we need but give passing mention here to developments too well known to be discussed in detail slavery in the original thirteen states was the normal condition of the negroes when however james otis patrick henry and thomas jefferson began to discuss the natural rights of the colonists then said to be oppressed by great britain some of the patriots of the revolution carried their reasoning to its logical conclusion contending that the negro slaves should be freed on the same grounds as their rights were also founded in the laws of nature and so it was soon done in most northern commonwealths vermont new hampshire and massachusetts exterminated the institution by constitutional provision and rhode island connecticut new jersey new york and pennsylvania by gradual emancipation acts and it was thought that the institution would soon thereafter pass away even in all southern commonwealths except south carolina and georgia where it had seemingly become profitable there came later the industrial revolution following the invention of watt's steam engine and mechanical appliances like whitney's cotton gin all which changed the economic aspect of the modern world making slavery an institution offering means of exploitation to those engaged in the production of cotton this revolution rendered necessary a large supply of cheap labor for cotton culture out of which the plantation system grew the negro slaves therefore lost all hope of ever winning their freedom in south carolina and georgia and in maryland virginia and north carolina where the sentiment in favor of abolition had been favorable there was a decided reaction which soon blighted their hopes in the northern commonwealths however the sentiment in behalf of universal freedom though at times dormant was ever apparent despite the attachment to the south of the trading classes of northern cities which profited by the slave trade and their commerce with the slaveholding states the northern states maintaining this liberal attitude developed therefore into an asylum for the negroes who were oppressed in the south the negroes however were not generally welcomed in the north many of the northerners who sympathized with the oppressed blacks in the south never dreamt of having them as their neighbors there were consequently always two classes of anti-slavery people 
those who advocated the abolition of slavery to elevate the blacks to the dignity of citizenship and those who merely hoped to exterminate the institution because it was an economic evil the latter generally believed that the blacks constituted an inferior class that could not discharge the duties of citizenship and when the proposal to incorporate the blacks into the body politic was clearly presented to these agitators their anti-slavery ardor was decidedly dampened unwilling however to take the position that a race should be doomed because of personal objections many of the early anti-slavery groups looked toward colonization for a solution of this problem some thought of africa but since the deportation of a large number of persons who had been brought under the influence of modern civilization seemed cruel the most popular colonization scheme at first seemed to be that of settling the negroes on the public lands in the west as this region had been lately ceded however and no one could determine what use could be made of it by white men no such policy was generally accepted when this territory was ceded to the united states an effort to provide for the government of it finally culminated in the proposed ordinance of seventeen eighty four carrying the provision that slavery should not exist in the northwest territory after the year eighteen hundred this measure finally failed to pass and fortunately too thought some because had slavery been given sixteen years of growth on that soil it might not have been abolished there until the civil war or it might have caused such a preponderance of slave commonwealths as to make the rebellion successful the ordinance of seventeen eighty four was antecedent to the more important ordinance of seventeen eighty seven which carried the famous sixth article that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for crime should exist in that territory at first it was generally deemed feasible to establish negro colonies on that domain yet despite the assurance of the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven conditions were such that no one could determine exactly whether the northwest territory would be slave or free what then was the situation in this partly unoccupied territory slavery existed in what is now the northwest territory from the time of the early exploration and settlement of that region by the french the first slaves of white men were indians though it is true that the red men usually chose death rather than slavery there were some of them that bowed to the yoke so many pawnee indians became bondsmen that the word pawnee became synonymous with slave in the west western indians themselves followed the custom of white men enslaved their captives in war rather than choose the alternative of putting them to death in this way they were known to hold a number of blacks and whites the enslavement of the black man by the whites in this section dates from the early part of the eighteenth century being a part of the louisiana territory which under france extended over the whole mississippi valley as far as the allegheny mountains it was governed by the same colonial regulations slavery therefore had legal standing in this territory when antoine crozat upon being placed in control of louisiana was authorized to begin a traffic in slaves crozat himself did nothing to carry out his plans 
but in seventeen seventeen when the control of the colony was transferred to the compagnie de l'occident steps were taken toward the importation of slaves in seventeen nineteen when five hundred guinea negroes were brought over to serve in lower louisiana philip francis renault imported five hundred other bondsmen into upper louisiana or what was later included in the northwest territory slavery then became more and more extensive until by seventeen fifty there were along the mississippi five settlements of slaves kashkakia kayokia fort chartres st philippe and prayer de rochor in seventeen sixty three negroes were relatively numerous in the northwest territory but when this section that year was transferred to the british the number was diminished by the action of those frenchmen who unwilling to become subjects of great britain moved from the territory there was no material increase in the slave population thereafter until the end of the eighteenth century when some negroes came from the original thirteen the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven did not disturb the relation of slave and master some pioneers thought that the sixth article exterminated slavery there others contended that it did not the latter believe that such expressions in the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven as the free inhabitants and the free male inhabitants of full size implied the continuance of slavery and others found ground for its perpetuation in the clause of the ordinance which allowed the people of the territory to adopt the constitution and laws of any one of the thirteen states students of law saw protection for slavery in jay's treaty which guaranteed to the settlers their property of all kinds when therefore the slave question came up in the northwest territory about the close of the eighteenth century there were three classes of slaves first those who were in servitude to french owners previous to the cession of the territory to england and were still claimed as property in the possession of which the owners were protected under the treaty of seventeen sixty three second those who were held by british owners at the time of jay's treaty and claimed afterward as property under its protection and third those who since the treaty had been controlled by the united states had been brought from the commonwealths in which slavery was allowed freedom however was recognized as the ultimate status of the negro in that territory this question having been seemingly settled anthony benazet who for years advocated the abolition of slavery and devoted his time and means to the preparation of the negroes for living as freed men was practical enough to recommend to the congress of the confederation a plan for colonizing the emancipated blacks on the western lands jefferson incorporated into his scheme for a modern system of public schools the training of the slaves in industrial and agricultural branches to equip them for a higher station in life he believed however that the blacks not being equal to the white race should not be assimilated and should they be free they should by all means be colonized afar off thinking that the western lands might be so used he said in writing to james monroe in eighteen o one a very great extent of country north of the ohio has been laid off in townships and is now at market 
according to the provisions of the act of congress there is nothing said he which would restrain the state of virginia either in the purchase or the application of these lands yet he raised the question as to whether the establishment of such a colony within our limits and to become a part of the union would be desirable he thought then of procuring a place beyond the limits of the united states on our northern boundary by purchasing the indian lands with the consent of great britain he then doubted that the black race would live in such a rigorous climate this plan did not easily pass from the minds of the friends of the slaves for in eighteen o five thomas brannigan asserted in his serious remonstrances that the government should appropriate a few thousand acres of land at some distant part of the national domains for the negroes accommodation and support he believed that the new state might be established upwards of two thousand miles from our frontier a copy of the pamphlet containing this proposition was sent to thomas jefferson who was impressed thereby but not having the courage to brave the torture of being branded as a friend of the slave he failed to give it his support the same question was brought prominently before the public again in eighteen sixteen when there was presented to the house of representatives a memorial from the kentucky abolition society praying that the free people of color be colonized on the public lands the committee to whom the memorial was referred for consideration reported that it was expedient to refuse the request on the ground that as such lands were not granted to free white men they saw no reason for granting them to others some negro slaves unwilling to wait to be carried or invited to the northwest territory escaped to that section even when it was controlled by the french prior to the american revolution slaves who reached the west by this route caused trouble between the french and the british colonists advertised in seventeen forty six for james wyam a slave richard colgate his master said that he swore to a negro whom he endeavored to induce to go with him that he had often been in the backwoods with his master and that he would go to the french and indians and fight for them in an advertisement for a mulatto slave in seventeen fifty five thomas ringold his master expressed fear that he had escaped by the same route to the french he therefore said it seems to be the interest at least of every gentleman that has slaves to be active in the beginning of these attempts for whilst we have the french such near neighbors we shall not have the least security in that kind of property the good treatment which these slaves received among the french and especially at pittsburgh the gateway to the northwest territory tended to make that city an asylum for those slaves who had sufficient spirit of adventure to brave the wilderness through which they had to go negroes even then had the idea that there was in this country a place of more privilege than those they enjoyed in the seaboard colonies knowing of the likelihood of the negroes to rise during the french and indian war governor dinwiddie wrote fox one of the secretaries of state in seventeen fifty six we dare not venture to part with any of our white men any distance as we must have a watchful eye over our negro slaves who are upward of one hundred thousand brissot de warville mentions in his travels of seventeen eighty eight 
several examples of marriages of white and blacks in pittsburgh he noted the case of a negro who married an indentured french servant girl out of this union came a desirable mulatto girl who married a surgeon of nantes then stationed at pittsburgh his family was considered one of the most respectable of the city the negro referred to was doing a credible business and his wife took it upon himself to welcome foreigners especially the french who came that way along the ohio also there were several cases of women of color living with unmarried white men but this was looked upon by the negroes as detestable as it was evidenced by the fact that if black women had a quarrel with a mulatto woman the former would reproach the latter for being of ignoble blood these tendencies however could not assure the negro that the northwest territory was to be an asylum for freedom when in seventeen sixty three it passed into the hands of the british the promoters of the slave trade and later to the independent colonies two of which had no desire to exterminate slavery furthermore when the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven with its famous sixth article against slavery was proclaimed it was soon discovered that this document was not necessarily emancipatory as the right to hold slaves was guaranteed to those who owned them prior to the passage of the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven it was to be expected that these attached to that institution would not indifferently see it pass away various petitions therefore were sent to the territorial legislature and to congress praying that the sixth article of the ordinance of seventeen eighty seven be abrogated no formal action to this effect was taken but the practice of slavery was continued even at the winking of the government some slaves came from the canadians who in accordance with the slave trade laws of the british empire were supplied with bondsmen it was the canadians themselves who provided by act of parliament in seventeen ninety three for prohibiting the importation of slaves and for gradual emancipation when it seemed later that the cause of freedom would eventually triumph the pro-slavery element undertook to perpetuate slavery through a system of indentured servant labor in the formation of the states of indiana and illinois the question as to what should be done to harmonize with the new constitution the system of indenture to which the territorial legislatures had been committed caused heated debate and at times almost conflict both indiana and illinois finally incorporated into their constitutions compromise provisions for a nominal prohibition of slavery modified by clauses for the continuation of the system of indentured labor of the negroes held to service the pro-slavery party persistently struggled for some years to secure by the interpretation of the laws by legislation and even by amending the constitution so as to change the fundamental law as to provide for actual slavery these states however gradually worked toward freedom in keeping with the spirit of the majority who framed the constitution despite the fact that the indenture system in southern illinois and especially in indiana was at times tantamount to slavery as it was practiced in parts of the south it must be borne in mind here however that the north at this time was far from becoming a place of refuge for negroes 
in the first place the industrial revolution had not then had time to reduce the negroes to the plane of beasts in the cotton kingdom the rigorous climate and the industries of the northern people moreover were not inviting to the blacks and the development of the carrying trade and the rise of manufacturing there did not make that section more attractive to unskilled labor furthermore when we consider the fact that there were many thousands of negroes in the southern states the presence of a few in the north must be regarded as insignificant this paucity of blacks then obtained especially in the northwest territory for its french inhabitants instead of being an exploiting people were pioneering having little use for slaves and carrying out their policy of merely holding the country for france moreover like certain gentlemen from virginia who after the american revolution were afraid to bring their slaves with them to occupy their bounty lands in ohio few enterprising settlers from the slave states had invaded the territory with their negroes not knowing whether or not they would be secure in the possession of such property when we consider that in eighteen ten there were only one hundred and two thousand one hundred and thirty seven negroes in the north and no more than three thousand four hundred and fifty four in the northwest territory we must look to the second decade of the nineteenth century for the beginning of the migration of the negroes in the united states End of chapter 1. Finding a place of refuge.